Hi, I'm Mike. And I'm Dan. All right, welcome back to 15 Minute Film Fanatics. You know what we do. We got to get started here. This week we're covering 1982's Poltergeist, directed by Toby Hooper, executive produced by Steven Spielberg, uh, whatever that means. It's got his fingerprints all over it. Uh, Dan, do you want to apologize now or should we just go through the whole episode and give the apology later? <laughs> Listen, I don't owe you any apologies. I don't owe the world any apologies. Let me tell you about why I picked this movie. Because sure. I saw this movie on a loop. I, you know what's great was I have not watched it again for the, except for the podcast. I saw this movie when I was 12 years old and my parents, now I realize why, would just drop me off at the movie theater with my friends and we would just go see movies all day. I, rem- I distinctly remember being 12 years old and seeing this twice in one day. Um, and so I was very, very curious about whether or not it would hold up. Because you go back and read stuff you liked in high school or when you were even younger and see if it holds up. Um, I, I was curious to see if I would still laugh at the fact that the, the, the evil realtor who moved all the headstones, but not the bodies, his name is James Karen. When I was a kid, he was the Pathmark commercial guy. So our minds were all blown that it was the guy from Pathmark who was responsible for the family suffering and for all the poltergeists. Um, so here's what I thought seeing it again. It had, it had Spielberg's fingerprints all over it. I didn't think it was a bad movie. Um, I know what you're going to say after our conversation about it. We could do that whenever you want. But I think the movie holds up. I think it's a fine movie if you want to show someone a scary movie, but they're not ready to watch um, Hereditary yet or The Exorcist. Go. What do you think of the I overall? Agree. This, is, this is Jaws with, you know, ghosts instead of a shark. Yep. Um, yes, I do want to talk about your response to it. I think that one of the breakthroughs that we've made on the podcast is we have split the horror genre into horror movies um, where it comes for you and monster movies where you and a bunch of friends prepare yourself to go after it. I think this is very firmly a monster movie. Uh, I think that the characters have very much the same response to the creature in it, uh, to Pennywise the Clown, um, that the small psychic woman and and this family led by Craig T. Nelson, uh, who is, is the star, as you know, of every disaster movie ever made, uh, <laughs> as well as uh, of the Poltergeist. And yeah, I mean, let's 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 cover that first uh, as far as initial impression. So I watched this going in to watch a classic horror movie, which of course I saw as you do uh, way too young. I saw this at ten years old at, at a sleepover with my cousins. Perfect time um, to see it, by the way. Perfect exactly, time to see this movie. Exactly, and, and, not, and not since. Um, this is a classic monster movie. This is, there's, there's something up there, and any reasonable person would get in their station wagon, their wood-lined station wagon, and they would drive out of the neighborhood. But for some reason, we're not only going to stay in the house, we're going to live in the house, we're not going to report anything to the police, and we're just going to go ahead and do it ourselves. And I believe that your criticism, if I remember correctly from last week, of it was that there's six or seven kids all standing around in a garage and they've been freaked out by the supernatural because there's a supernatural evil coming to devour their souls. Uh, and they have this, decide not to get out of the way. And though they're scared and frightened, um, they're determined to take it head on. And I actually find that adaptation of it inspired by Steven Spielberg, maybe even inspired by movies like The Poltergeist as opposed to opposed by the movies like The Poltergeist. And I would love to hear your response. Well, first of all, it's poltergeist, not the poltergeist. Um, I just had to be snotty there. But I think that, first of all, Craig T. Nelson and Joe Beth Williams are infinitely more likable than those snot-nosed kids in It. Those kids are hard to root for, except for maybe Bill and Beverly, maybe. But um, And I think that 
Well, first of all, they can't leave because their daughter is in the ether. They can't just leave there. They can't leave Carol Ann somewhere floating in the ether. And I knew that when I watched it today, I'm like, this is what Mike's going to say. He's going to say, and I get it. When, when she, when she finds that um, you can slide across the kitchen floor, uh, you know, and, and, and she puts the helmet on Carol Ann and that uh, she thinks, oh, it's just another part of it. You know, I, I'm like, this is exactly what Mike is going to call me out on after the it conversation. I get it. Because as soon as I saw those chairs stacked up on the table, I would have called the Pathmark guy as a realtor and had me build another house over a different graveyard. Absolutely. Yeah. But I think that, yeah, I mean, I don't know if it's necessarily a monster movie or a horror movie. I think it does both. I think at the beginning, it's like a horror movie. And then they have to get the, the, the tiny little psychic in to become a monster movie. And, and they tie the rope to her and she goes out. The, ro the rope, by the way, is like, I thought of the barrels on the shark. That's exactly what I thought of. Yeah, you're, you're, exa you're exactly, they are the barrels on the shark. Uh, except that the tiny psychic woman has the only good response in the entire movie. She has the only believable response in the entire movie, <laughs> which is that the she says, you've never done this. And yeah. uh yeah it, well that's uh, she said neither of you and she says yeah, she goes, yeah you're, you're right, right you go you're right you go that's a big movie laugh you know i remember those big movie laughs from seeing it so often in the movies but let me go back so i think that like i, I do agree that it was inspired it has been inspired by the movie it was inspired by movies like this and, and how you're supposed to respond to the supernatural if people in movies i agree responded to the supernatural the way I think they should, there would be no horror movies. We wouldn't have any because the movies would all be five minutes long. It would be people running down the street screaming. Um, but I, I like what you said before about how like it, it's very Spielberg-esque because if you think about all the Spielberg elements in here, right? There's like the threatened family, like um, there's, you know, adventure inv invades the suburbs. There's a fake ending. There's all those like those laughs that aren't funny now, like with, with the mosquito bites and stuff, when he's getting yeah. the next, and um, when she says, you're right, you go. Or when he throws a TV out of the hotel room at the end, they really aren't funny when you watch it alone in your house, but in a, in a movie theater that got a big laugh. So, and the music is total, the Jerry Goldsmith music. So I don't know, I think it's, I think it's a great, it, it's, a Steven, it's a total Spielberg kid movie. I find it, I find that movie totally charming. Um, yeah. you know, beginning to end, I would, you know, now that my goddaughter is, you know, 11 or 12, I would show it to her. It's a, I, I think it's scarier than it. I think it's way scarier Art. than it. Which Try parts me. of it? Yeah, maybe, maybe we should move on to section two and let's see right. our moments. All right, we'll say it. We'll have our scary moments. I'll see you there. We're going to pause here because we just want to tell you something. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. So let me explain. The first point is it's free. Yeah. Second, they have all the tools that you need to create, record, and edit your podcast right on your phone or your laptop. Third, Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so you can hear it on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many other places. You pick up sponsorships, you can make money from your podcast, and there's no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Always be closing, Mike. Always be closing. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Hi, so welcome back. In part two, we like to talk, as you know, about our favorite moment or our favorite line or a little moment in the movie that reflects the uh, experience of watching it as a whole. So, Mike, what's yours? All right. I would have any other moment, but since I'm in a conversation with you, th this is my moment. Okay. You've just cleansed your house of the devil. <laughs> your, your daughter's closet is a portal to hell. You have a couple of decisions. One is you could go to the Motel 6 now. Uh, the other decision is on the, word, on the word of a psychic midget, you, you could stay in the house overnight.
Okay. You could stay in the house overnight and you could let your both of your beloved children sleep in the same room while your husband is talking to his boss in order to quit. Right. Now, there's some, look, there's some moments that only exist in order for movies to continue, right? Why does Hamlet not kill his uncle while he's praying? Right. Because Hamlet would only be tw- uh, half right. as long. That makes sense to me. There are certain things in it like that, that, that just kind of serve to prolong the movie. I would like your response after your response to it, to dyeing your hair uh, while you lock your babies in the room that used to be the portal to hell. <laughs> Sir, I have no response. <laughs> I had no response. And when I watched it this morning, knowing we were going to record tonight, that's all I could think of. When she went to that bathtub and I forgot, I remember the movie ended twice, but when she got in the bathtub, I said, oh no, this is going to be Mike's moment. Here we go. I mean, I, I have no answer for that because it's it's only there to set up the second, you're right. It's it, that, that moment only exists so that the clown can come after the little boy with the big teeth and keep the movie going. However, let me say, that I felt that the best haunting in the movie is her being held immobile against the ceiling yeah. while she knows something bad is happening to the kids. Yeah. So uh, first I, I wanted to troll you, but second, uh, <laughs> that is the moment That is the moment in the movie where you feel that the characters are the most helpless yes. because there's nothing you can do against gravity, just gravity's right. gravity is right. gravity. There's something, in, what are you going to do? But she's, but she's scream, but she's screaming like a wounded animal, you know, to try to get to her kids. Yeah. Um, and there's something very affecting about that scene. There is, there is. So my, my moment was, since you asked, my, I was going to say my joke moment was going to be when he's trying to get the car keys in and everyone's screaming and the music's really loud. I love that moment. Cause that's like me pretty much taking my family anywhere in my minivan. Everyone's screaming at me and like, Oh God, we're going to be late. I'm like, ah. So that's, a, that for me is like called Saturday. But um, I, the, my moment was, it occurred to me watching this movie, especially Spielberg movies, was when you have the little medium. Um, by the way, you think they did it on purpose? You think she's a small medium on purpose? I'm curious. Anyway, um, so when, when she starts explaining, she has some more rules for how this thing is going to work. It reminded me of like the trapezoid letters in Star Wars. She's like, like, if there's a way out, there must be a way in. Okay, that's the heart of the house. And you must go into the light. And she's like, they're in a perpetual dream state. And they have the tennis balls. That like, there are so many, there are more rules to this, to, to how to get into that other dimension than there are for like Dungeons and Dragons. And it's great that like, that strikes me as such a funny movie thing that movies love to give you the rules for the movie. And then you have to watch it because it, it helps you understand what the characters are going to do. I would say that in this particular case though, it works because none of those rules are comprehensible whatsoever. <laughs> let, me, let, me give, let me give you a good example. I find, I don't know, let's call it the first 120 minutes of Inception to be intolerable. I'll never watch that movie ever again. I find her 10 minute spiel about how to co- confront the devil uh, very intriguing because I have no idea what she's talking about. Yes. And I, I've seen it as a child now and I've seen it as an adult and neither me understands what she's talking about. Yes, when I, when I was 12 years old and she said, to us, it is the beast. I was like, ah! So that, that was all I needed to hear was the beast because I had already seen Omen and the Exorcist and stuff like that. So as soon as I heard Beast, it didn't make, you know, I didn't, like, I love how they threw the, the first tennis ball through. And then they need, and by the way, if you look at the tennis balls, it's like they wrote the constitution on the tennis ball. Pretty much just like, if you, you don't have to number them. <laughs> if a tennis ball comes out of the ceiling downstairs, I pretty much assume that's the same tennis ball. I will say one more thing um, about a moment, which is 
I agree with you that now that I've seen the guys, uh, the Nazis face melt in- uh, The in whole the movie is the Nazi face melt. And, and, and now that I've seen that one paranormal researcher's uh, face melt, yes. I find him flaking off his face much more horrifying yes. than any CGI effects. So I'm, I'm with you kind of half the way, but the other half the way, I, you know, I'm still waiting on that apology. Maybe you can send in a postcard, who knows? All right, maybe, maybe you'll get it in part three. See you there. Okay, welcome back to part three. In this section, we like to talk about our big takeaways uh, or our, our grand thoughts about the movie, maybe sometimes the title. I don't, I don't think there's much to say about the title, but, but Dan, what's your grand takeaway from having seen it just this morning? My grand takeaway is that it still holds up, that it's a great time capsule to what movies were like in, in the 80s. Um, I had as much fun watching it today as I did as a kid. Now, you know what? That's not true. I had more fun as a kid um, than I did today, although maybe it was a different kind of fun. I think the movie works because it's got the fear of the numinous written all over it. Um, you keep asking for an apology about the movie It. I think it's a better movie than It Chapter One. I think that it's scarier. I just think it's it's just a better movie. It It Chapter One has better effects, but but I just think this holds together more clearly. Um, I love the joke about the TV that the ghosts come out of TV. I am old enough to remember a time when TV stations did go off in the middle of the night and they did play the Star Spangled Banner because that was always really cool if it could stay up till they played the Star Spangled Banner. So what happens in your TV? And she, she puts her hands up, you know, who's got the good reception? I think there's a lot of in-jokes there. I think there's a lot in this movie about, um, about your dream house. That's why Spielberg loves that idea. And there's so much product placement, right? Like they have every, every kind of name brand thing in that house. Um, I just think it's great to see it all fall apart. I just think it holds up in a way that it is so like um, beyond ironic that uh, that I think this movie is much more sincere. I agree about its sincerity and that's not what the apology is for. The apology is for when people are presented with the supernatural, they react in certain ways in movies that you would not react in life. I understand why you find the kids from It unlikable and I understand why you don't go with them to the creepy house at the end of the block versus their house. And I think that, that is the, that's the brilliant thing that Steven Spielberg always, always does well. He does it well in E.T. Yes. He does it well in Jaws. He does it well in this movie. He does it well every time he touches a project, which is that the thing that you're defending or the thing that you care about is home. Right. And it's so beautiful. It's, it's very St Spielberg-esque. It has his signature all over it. What I'm saying is I, I think that you overdid it a little bit on what I would take as a, as a convention of the horror movie. And maybe, yeah, maybe you take it that um, Craig T. Nelson and uh, his on-screen wife have to fight for Carol Ann and make her come back into the light. But there's a lot of extra people that just spend way too much time in that house, whereas you would, you would be way out of that. You would be down the block. You'd be in a different state by the time the events of this movie took place. Well, well I, I'm a, also a coward. So <laughs> yeah, no, I get it. Yeah, absolutely. So I do, maybe I came down too hard on it because I, I totally had your, your ghostly presence over my shoulder as I watched this, right? I think it's also that Jo Beth Williams has great 80s hair in this movie and that, uh, that gives her a free pass to do a lot of things. But no, I, I, I get it. And I love what you said about, to Spielberg, it's always about home, right? Whether it's Amity, Amity Island, said Amityville. It's a, whether it's Amity Island or or some other place at home. He makes he makes people's reactions to things that are so unbelievable, believable. Like that's the way Richard Dreyfuss is in Close Encounters. 
right? Um, the, the best scene in Close Encounters is when the aliens come and take the kid away, which scared the heck out of me also when I was younger, and the screws come out of the heating vents and stuff, and his mother's kind of like, okay, let's go find him, and I'll, 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 I'll hook up with Richard Dreyfuss, and we'll go on an adventure. Um, and the same thing with like, you know, um, with Roy Schotter going on the boat and the way that even Elliot responds to E.T. Like he's never freaked out for a second that it actually is an alien. So he's very good at that kind of thing. Or that Indiana Jones is going to like actually like be near the Ark of the Covenant. Absolutely. Although, fun fact, what's the second best scene from Close Encounters of the Third Kind? Um, I like it when they play the music and the last note goes, Boom! Mashed potatoes all the way. Oh yeah, no, that's true. The mashed potatoes scene is good, yeah. And with the train scene, and the train scene, I love that too. All right, so I, I hope I hope we've made amends on our it poltergeist back and forth. We have. I just think I think we need to label poltergeist a monster movie. It has all the conventions of a monster movie. People are going to get the monster. It took something from you. That's home. You need to reclaim it. Um, and then everybody leaves as a family at the end, and and they all live happily ever after somewhere else. All right, fair enough. I'll see you next week. See you next week. Thanks for listening, everybody. Bye-bye.